Keywords in Play. You're listening to Keywords in Play, an interview series about game research supported by Critical Distance and the Digital Games Research Association. As a joint venture, Keywords in Play expands Critical Distance's commitment to innovative writing and research about games, while using a conversational style to bring new and diverse scholarship to a wider audience. Eli Smith, can you please introduce yourself in your own words? Well, my name is Eli Smith, and I'm a musician and a music producer here in uh, Brooklyn, New York. I play the banjo and the guitar and mandolin and, and harmonica and some other stuff. I produce the Brooklyn Folk Festival as well as the Washington Square Park Folk Festival. I run a small folk music record label called Jalopy Records, and um, I worked on the game Red Dead Redemption 2. I was the traditional music consultant, and I also played several instruments myself uh, for, the, for the in-game music, as well as on the video game's uh, score. Could you tell us a little bit about your role in the Red Dead Redemption 2 soundtrack and what it kind of means to be a traditional music consultant on a game like that? It was a great project. I I really enjoyed working on the game. It was the first and only video game that I've worked on. It was a very substantial project. I, I worked on it on and off for about two and a half years. I mostly was involved with the in-game music, although I also played banjo on the on the soundtrack, as I mentioned. My role was to recruit musicians that could play authentic music on various instruments that would be placed throughout the game. Of course, I play it as well if, if you hear um, guitar music or banjo music or juice harp or whistling. <laughs> In the, in the game, that's me. And then I also recruited um, musicians to play fiddle and harmonica and, you know, old-style piano music and accordion uh, music in the game as well. And I worked with a music producer uh, from Rockstar Games on all of those things. We worked together. It, w- it was a collaboration. How did it kind of uh, come about? Because as a, as a musician, um, I, I don't know if you're a gamer or not, How did the kind of like uh, collaboration uh, get started? Well, I happen to know the director of the game, whose name is Rod Edge. Uh, He's a very nice guy, and uh, in fact, he plays the banjo, and which is how I knew him. And he contacted me to be involved uh, to be involved with this project. How easy or difficult was it to find musicians with the appropriate skill set? Well, for me, it was it was very easy, as well as satisfying. I, I had never worked, as I say, on a video game before, and I was pleased that they were interested in having authentic music to the time and the place within the world of their game. You know, I, I produced the Brooklyn Folk Festival and, and so on. I know, I know a lot of musicians. I also help run sort of the main music venue for folk and traditional music in New York City called the Jalopy Theater. And, you know, we present music like this all the time. We have more than 50 bands uh, at the Brooklyn Folk Festival each year. And so I, that's what I've done in my life is, is um, create that community and, and know those musicians. So it was quite easy to find some really good musicians and really you know it's it's been my 
life and my my um, career to share the music that I love. And so the opportunity to share old time American traditional music with a wide audience um, through this video game, through Red Dead Redemption 2, was a great opportunity. And I was very pleased to be able to bring that music to an audience um, who frankly might not otherwise, you know, hear it or have a reason to interact with um, what's really an underground and grassroots kind of music that has existed in what's now known as the United States, you know, for hundreds of years. And it's music that has a very deep history. And it's interesting and appropriate and sort of funny in a way that that to present it in, in such a um, high-tech way in this really beautiful and, and like technologically advanced video game because the music that we play is really rooted in agrarian society and, um, it, you know, goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Can you tell us a little bit more about your research into creating the music for this era, which I think it's the game is set in 1899, is that correct? Yeah, I think that's right. So it's like obviously the turning of the century and what are some of the characteristics of the American music of that era that you set as a goal for evoking in the game? Yes, well, that was a watershed era in uh, American traditional music. The country was transitioning from being a... Uh, really rural frontier kind of society uh, into a, the more modern country that we that we know now. I was very familiar with, with music that would be appropriate to that era, so I didn't have to do a lot of research. I didn't have to learn a lot of new stuff, but I, of course I wanted to make sure that I was presenting things that were not anachronistic, that would have been played literally at that time, not 20 years later or whatever. So we want to make sure that it w really was appropriate to that time. So I did do research to confirm that. But I just tried to pick songs and tunes that were interesting and that I thought people would enjoy. I also worked with a music producer there um, at Rockstar Games. You know, he had his own needs and ideas about what would work in the game, of course. And so we, you know, we worked together, bouncing things back and forth. Um, we worked with the lyrics. We made sure that all the songs that we used were in the public domain or that Rockstar was able to have the rights to those songs uh, so that under our frankly insane system of um, intellectual copyright, everything would be cool. And uh, yeah, we worked together. I, I also, you know, it escalated. At first, they just called me in to play a few things in the game, but then they kept calling me back and things became... I worked more and more on the game until I was, yeah, I was the traditional music consultant, you know. It became this cool collaboration uh, I, yeah, I ended up working with the, uh, you know, the actors. There's scenes in the game you'll see where, like, you know, you're around a campfire and, like, there's a bunch of uh, outlaw guys, like, singing some kind of song or something like that. And um, I ended up working with those actors to teach them the songs and, and, and so on. It was like working on a theatrical production, which was really fun. You, you could make that comparison that it wasn't so different from your point of view from working on in some other media that you may have been involved with in the past. Right, like working on a movie or, or uh, something like that. Yeah, I've, I, I, I've done soundtrack work for a couple of films. The, the, the experience of this game was actually much more involved than any film I, I had worked on because it's so, it was so experiential and you had to have music for all these different scenes and, and um, eventualities that could happen in, you know, within, the within the game. 
How did they communicate those? Uh, like, what kind of workflow did they have for organizing? You know, when they were trying to communicate to you, for example, like this is the vibe of this scene. This is the kind of like experience that the player is having at this moment. Yeah, it, it's just like you say. I, I, they would, you know, the the producer would tell me what was happening, and I would, you know, it, it, and the, the you know the song would have to be sort of slow and with feeling, or faster and more dynamic. You know, it's 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 that it was it's it's that simple. I would say. What was your process for selecting and adapting songs from the era to the video game context? Are there any standout songs that you would say people should definitely pay attention to from that era? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'd have to, I'd have to think about which songs were the standouts. I will say that my um, friend Walker Shepard, that did the fiddling in the game, did a phenomenal job. So if you hear some old-time fiddle in Red Dead Redemption Two you'll be hearing some real good fiddling. Everybody did a phenomenal job, but since you asked me what stood out, I was actually watching a YouTube video just a few weeks ago that somebody had, you know, captured from the game where they encounter some character playing playing the fiddle, and of course it's, it's Walker playing the fiddle, and I thought, he, he did a good job. And he, he was playing a tune called um, Punchin' Camps. It's an old-time fiddle tune. Um, a punch Punchin' is a... See, now we're... We're getting into some old school frontier stuff here. A puncheon is a is a type of lumber. It's a way to mill a board, and um, some old fiddler in a in a puncheon camp in a logging camp made that tune a hundred years ago, 150 years ago. Who knows? And, but there it is in in this in the video game. And it's, it's a beautiful tune. And was there any flow back so when you were selecting songs or those kind of like slices of life where the songs will be about people's lives at the time? Was there, there any cases when you uh, brought some of, these, some of the, the information from these songs and uh, someone on the, on the gaming side kind of said, yeah, maybe we can do something with that? Yeah, I, I, I recall some, yeah, some interaction like that. And I was able to catch some anachronisms for them where they were suggesting music that was a little bit too new uh, for the era of the game. We've been talking about the in-world music that's being performed by characters within the game, diegetically. You also contributed to the game's cinematic score, which obviously has a very different role to play in the, um, the feel of the game. So, and I, and I guess they would be drawing from, from Western films, you know, the scoring that they have there. Yeah, the Morricone and the classic um, yeah, uh, spaghetti Westerns and things like that, yeah. Yeah, how, how did you approach those? Well, you know, I, my role in that was much more limited. I was just a musician. So I, I went to the recording studio with the guys that were in charge of making that score and they taught me some songs and I, I recorded my banjo parts on the songs. But that, that was the extent of my involvement with that. I was, I was very involved with the in-game music, but for the score, I was uh, essentially a studio musician playing the banjo. Did they um, kind of explain anything about their thinking to you while you were uh, kind of working on that side of things? Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, you know, just in terms of the feeling of what might be happening uh, while the score was playing, you know, you're riding a horse across um, the prairie, stuff like that. And then, of course, they, yeah, they, you know, they were uh, influenced, uh, you know, obviously by the scores of classic Western films, which were, which were by the way, you know, made in the 60s. In like the you know in like mid late 60s and 70s and you know that was that it sounds like that you can tell I mean it's like um, a bit psychedelic and uh, 
from the like era of, of rock and pop music that was happening, you know, in the mid late sixties and maybe into the seventies. So it, it has that flavor and it's a good flavor. I just watched, I just rewatched the good, the bad and the ugly, uh, just the other night. <laughs> it's a great, great score. And I, I guess it's even though it's completely anachronistic to the time being depicted, it is what people, yeah. you know, it makes people feel about that era. Yes. Because they're, they're familiar with the films. So in a way, it's an it's an anachronism to the that time period, of course. But it makes sense, and it makes sense that they would use that for the game, of course. Yeah. So it's a mix. It's actually a mix between, which is very interesting, that it's a mix between music that's very specifically, you know, authentic to the time period and the place, mixed with um, sort of mood music and more film-oriented music. Uh, from the movies so that's cool yeah and were there any cases when transitioning between those two musical uh, styles was something that you needed to think about in the the production um no that that wasn't that wasn't my role um but i think it were i think what they did you know totally works i thought it was cool talking about history you know rockstar's approach to history is kind of uh, very interesting in and of itself. So they've got these real references and they're obviously kind of like gesturing towards things that really exist, but they're twisted while still remaining recognizable. And one of the things I saw that you worked on uh, that was really interesting is the songs about the cities. And, you know, there's the city Saint-Denis, in, uh, which is obviously a version of New Orleans. So what was it like to write about a, a city that doesn't technically exist? Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't rewrite the lyrics. That was done by the producer at Rockstar Games. I, I was only responsible for uh, the instrumental music. But yeah, yeah, I think he had a lot of fun um, writing those songs so that they would fit the story of the game and the fictionalized uh, cities and towns that are that are in the game. It was cool. And uh, Terry Waldo did a wonderful job on the sort of saloon piano stuff. Uh, my friend, the you know veteran master uh, pianist Terry Waldo, I thought he really nailed that saloon piano music that you hear in the, in the fictionalized New Orleans. When you were adapting um, some of the lyrics for some of the other songs that you worked on, what would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you kind of encountered? With, with adapting the lyrics? My friend there at Rockstar that did that, I think he really had fun with it. I, I, it was probably one of the uh, funniest parts was to make the, I mean, the songs. are there, You know, there's body songs that are like pretty rude and, uh, and whatever. So I think it was, you know, it was, it was a fun part of making the game. And what was it like for you to be incorporated as a character into the game? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, I, you know, at first it started out where the director of the game, Rod, he knew me through because we were both banjo players and he asked me to come play on the game. And then it kept escalating where I coming back, playing more on different instruments, then recruiting other musicians and becoming the traditional music consultant for the game. And then becoming the coach for the actors to sing sing the songs and so on within the game. And then, you know, they're like, hey, do you want to come in and, and get motion captured and like, you know, play a small character that you encounter within the game? So it was, that was a blast. I'd never done anything like that before. I wore a motion capture suit and they had, um, you know, I'm sure you and your listeners are familiar with how video games are made, but, I, you know, we were on a, this sort of sound stage and they, they motion captured me. I, I played a, a cowboy sitting at a campfire playing the guitar. 
um, you know, surrounded by the actors that I had been working with who, you know, who sing different songs and stuff like that. That was really cool. And my, my friend Ernie Vega that I had um, play the harmonica in the game, uh, Ernie Vega did a wonderful job on the harmonica, the blues, blues harmonica that you hear. I would add that the harmonica was just coming into the United States in that era. It was not, harmonica is not infinitely old. And Ernie, uh, yeah, he did a great job. He ended up uh, being motion captured as well. You'll see him uh, there in the game as well. Can you maybe talk a bit more about the um, the anachronisms that um, maybe you caught in terms of the musical, what was available at the time for all musicians were making use of? Are there any, any, any like ideas that people have in their head about what the music of the time was like that maybe aren't quite true to life? Or And what kind of like historical documents do we have? Is there recordings or is it also like passed down as a living tradition as well? Oh, well, there's lots of documentation. I mean, there's very few recordings from from 1900. The audio recording began in the 1870s, 1880s. Uh, Amazingly enough, a lot of people don't realize that. But the rural music, the kind of raw, rough music from out west and whatever, didn't really start to be recorded until the teens and not really until the 20s. But there are recordings, field recordings, made by Alan Lomax and other great uh, folklorists of musicians who were alive and working at that time and whose music reflects that time. So you literally can hear authentic recordings, for example, of, um, you know, a fiddler. I'm thinking of a fiddler now who was a wolfer on a million-acre cattle ranch in Texas, and he was in charge of keeping down the wolf population so they wouldn't attack the cattle. And you can hear field recordings of this guy you know, made in the 19, around 1940. I mean, he was an older guy at that point. But you can hear the authentic music. And then there's sheet music, um, song folios of cowboy songs, and uh, songs that uh, are more urban, that would be appropriate to a city or town environment. You know, piano music, stuff like that, ragtime. Ragtime was, was the rage at that time, Scott Joplin and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's so you certainly can you can read it off the page. You can you can hear recordings that were made later, but reflect the music of the time. I encourage everyone to check out the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. They have huge archives online. You don't even have to go there. You can just get on your computer and go right to the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress and uh, hear that music. I edited an album called Lost Train Blues, which is on our record label, Jalopy Records, of recordings that I researched at the Library of Congress, and people can check that out. That's a cool album if you want to hear stuff like that. That's so interesting that um, the uh, the field recordings, in particular, of the time were capturing things that were were happening in you know different geographical areas. And obviously, the game is so vast that some a lot of thought must be given to what sort of music is appropriate in what parts of the game world. Yeah, it's regional. Yeah, it's regional. Yeah. And does that map onto uh, some other sort of like cultural and political maybe categories in terms of like who's listening to what kind of music? Was that part of the thought process? Um, as well. Yeah, to the extent that we could, we tried to, to make it authentic, not only to the time, but also to even to the region. Yeah, absolutely. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Keywords in Play. For more great ideas around games, check out criticaldistance.com or take a dive into the Digger archives at D.